Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Fallout Technobabble, uh, the show where everything is fair game as long as it involves tech, uh, games, pop culture. Well, we haven't really talked about the pop culture much, but you know, there's always tomorrow. Uh, joining me today is my producer, Rich Reader. Hey, hey. And our guest today is, there you go. And, uh, you know, I like to uh, bike around the city. Not going to be doing it for a while, but when I do, there there is this device. I probably wouldn't be able to afford it, but I just like the idea that it exists and the principle can be applied to so many other things. This is just like one place to uh, apply it. It is a self-filling water bottle that converts regional humidity into, you know, liquid in the bottle to produce drinks for thirsty cyclists in arid towns. What? Yeah. No it, way. Yeah. So this bottle takes the humidity out of the air and then... Collects it in the bottle. And then make, turns it into water. How yeah. long does it take to make water, though? Well, first off, it was, who made it? An Austrian designer and university student, Christoph Retezar, dreamed up, and the device is called Fontis, and it was a way for cyclists to top off their water supply on long rides. It collects humidity in the air and under ideal conditions, 86 to 100 degree temperatures and 80 to 90% humidity, it can produce a half liter of water every hour. Wow. It is solar powered and it uses water repelling surfaces to direct water particles that come in through the air, through filters, and into a condenser that cools it into liquid water. And Reitzar points out that by 2030, nearly half the people in the world will be facing water shortages. This idea uses modern technology to update 2,000-year-old methods of water harvesting in a way that could one day address global water scarcity. So if you're in a friggin' hot place, well, guess what? Now you're going to get some water. It may not be all that you need, but you'll certainly be needing a lot less with this baby around. That's awesome. Yep, and Reitzar's invention is a candidate for the James Dyson Award for Innovations by Product or Industrial Design Engineering Students. He plans a crowdfunding campaign in March to bring his idea to the market, and he wants to keep the price below $100 and hopes to start delivering Fontas nine months later. So when this idea shows up on Kickstarter, do you think you'll be sponsoring it? Uh, I definitely would if I, you know... Had a bike or did something like that, but I, don't, I mean, I don't think I you personally I won't. But there, there, I, I don't doubt that uh, this project will be funded very quickly if they can actually prove to people that they can do it. And depending on how much this bottle is, because I mean, if this bottle is five hundred dollars, nobody's going to freaking buy it. I think the bottle itself is uh, any bottle you want, since you well, whatever. Okay, the fine. Filter. The hardware that you the put filter. on the thing, the filter, whatever. What I'm saying is the the part of it that they sell you that is the expensive part, if that is some exorbitant amount of money, well, you know, even if it's like, he I can't he, see it costing more than $199. He says, he says he wants to keep it below $100. Yeah, okay, then it will then it will totally be successful. But if people had to pay like $149, $199 or more for this, then it definitely, I don't think that it would be going anywhere well, very fast. Well, it's it's great for people that are on the go, but again, if you're in a very hot area, I mean, just having this being able to collect water, I mean, if you're in a hot area or in a hot room and you can't afford an air conditioner or whatever, one of the biggest things that gets you is the humidity. Now, if this thing just takes the humidity out of the room and then, uh, like, you can have this by the window 
because that's where a lot of heat is coming in and all, and the sunlight will charge it and it can take the humidity out of the room and you get a nice glass of water for your troubles. That's the biggest benefit is just, you know, having a drier room in the summer. Now so, this, I think this, uh, this would actually be really cool if they ran one of those, uh, you know, buy one for yourself and a, a, a sick kid in Africa gets one or something. You know what I mean? Like all those yeah. shoe companies that, uh, that have been doing that and stuff like that. I mean, as yeah. much as the, if, this, if this succeeds and he's got money to burn, I'm pretty sure that because well, I know uh, I know that uh, a lot of the, the the clothing companies and shoe companies especially have been doing that buy one and one goes get sent to Africa. And from what I've read about those programs uh, from non-biased sources is the fact that, yeah, it's all great and good that you're trying to help, but you're sending people shoes over there when they don't necessarily need shoes. You know what they need? Fucking water. And friggin' food. You know, they need clean water yep. and food. They don't need shoes necessarily. Like, yeah, shoes yep. are great, but you know what they need more is water. So if somebody like this was to do a project in that way where they were sending one of these to Africa every time you bought one or something. Yep, now the water's yep, the water's all around you, but instead of how instead And of, Africa's so hot and humid as it is, so they would always have some. If you could get one of these bottles into you know, like like one to two bottles per family of four for and like think, as many people as you could in Africa, that would save so many lives. And half a liter of water every half hour. Yeah. So, you know, you make the room a little drier and you get a nice refreshing drink. Exactly. So that's And pretty... I just imagine if you got like a couple thousand of these, you could walk through a small African village and be like, why the hell is it so nice outside now? <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as you leave the village, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, take take me back to magical Africa land. Well, speaking of uh, solar panels, um, have you heard of the Tesla Powerwall? I believe I have. It's so, uh, well, yeah, it's just meant for your home to keep it off the grid, or at least to alleviate a lot of its uh, power consumption. Yes. So essentially, the um, Tesla Powerwall is a four foot tall by three foot wide by seven inch deep. Uh, battery, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and for $3,500, you get a 10 kilowatt hour battery. For 7 kilowatt hours, it costs you $3,000. And these basically are to, like you said, help alleviate um, the pain of paying on peak time. So what you can do is you can have it charge during off peak hours and you can use it to power certain aspects of your home uh, during the day. Or uh, I guess what they really want to do is have people connect them to solar panels and then you're off the grid completely. Um, now, while I actually saw some some calculations on whether or not this is actually feasible and whether this would save money, um, it's kind of funny. The, the calculations that I saw um, were based on the average home's usage in the United States of power over the course of a year. Um, over the cost of the battery, over the cost of uh, the kilowatt hour. And they said that basically to earn your money back on the amount of batteries you would need to have to be able to run your home like off the grid or whatever, I think it came out to eight and a half years it would take for you to make your money back on these before you even broke even eight and a half years. So that doesn't... Well, for total independence, but if you just did it to uh, cheapen your bill... You know, take yeah. your bill from like two hundred bucks a month to like eighty bucks a month, just by just by having this battery keep you on during the uh, 
during the peak I don't hours. think it would make that much of a difference, though. I mean, a 10 kilowatt hour battery is, you know, like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But I mean, you're still charging that at night. So you're probably because I think here. So it's half the price at night. So, yeah, I guess it could. It would still take a couple of years, though, I think, to be able to get your return, to be able to see that that savings, because you need to be able to save thirty five hundred dollars at least over yeah. the court, you know, to be able to make your money back on this thing before you can start actually, quote, saving money. Right. Because your first few bills that are minus a couple hundred dollars because you've done this, that's not you saving money. That's just you paying yourself back basically yeah. for buying this product. Right. So it could but, work. But anyway, well, so I, I think to get back on track here, the uh, there is a company that's now trying to compete with them. And I knew you would like this because they are starting a Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. And we all know how Mike loves his Kickstarter projects. Even if they get kicked off Kickstarter. Yes, they're <laughs> kicking off Kickstarter. Uh, so uh, the company uh, Orison or Horizon, uh, not quite sure how to say that, but uh, they're a startup from San Diego, and they want to make batteries for your home that you can install. Yes, that's right. You, me, everybody. They don't want to have to, you know, have a company come in and install it for you. They don't want to have these big, big devices. These are uh, batteries that are basically being designed to go in your living room, to go next to your TV, to go on your wall. Um, and yes, they sell two different models. One of them sits on the floor and the other can actually hang on the wall. These units double as uh, LED light fixtures as well, which is kind of cool, especially if the power does go out. And basically, you get a 2.2 kilowatt hour battery for 11 or sorry, for $1,600. Uh, that's pretty much enough power, they say, to run an average TV for five to six hours. So while it's not a, an enormous amount of power, that certainly would be enough to, you know, get through a little bit of, of time. Like you don't have to watch your, um, watch your TV. If the power's going out, you can just plug the, plug your fridge into it, or you could, you know, have a light for a while, charge your phone for emergencies and emergency radio, especially you if know, you live, turn yes. on your toe, plug your toaster into it, or I, I don't know, but something. Hey, if you live in a place like California that had like rolling blackouts, then, exactly. uh, and this exactly. is a nice little gizmo. And they also say that uh, obviously this can this would work amazingly with uh, solar panels and stuff like that. Uh, and they are aiming for summer shipments. I think the idea of 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 this is really cool. They would need to definitely bring the price down on them for it to be yeah middle class viable. Not even that, just to make it more worth it. Because I mean, electricity it depend it obviously depends on how expensive electricity is uh, around you. So in the States, uh, um, they were doing the calculation that he did was for, I believe it was 18 or 20 cents per kilowatt hour. And here in Ontario, we, uh, Mike, you and I are in um, Ottawa, Ontario. I actually just we checked. We are? My, yes, we are. I, th I thought we were in the Geek Fallout satellite orbiting the Earth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Geek, uh, but... Geek Fallout Space Station. Exactly. So uh, I actually just checked my my bill, and it says on peak here is sixteen cents an hour, and off peak is eight cents an hour. Shit. So you know, like then that price is now you know maybe it's nine and a half years or ten and a half years for you know for us because power is cheaper here, right? If you plan so on they they need to bring the power down to make it 
to make it worthwhile for people to buy it. And if you, you know, and once you do, if you can hook it up to a solar panel and like say they can start bringing down the price of solar panels, which has finally started to happen now, you can go out and get them a little bit cheaper now to uh, to connect to something like this or a solar generator, which you could even connect to this, which I know is like two or three thousand dollars as well. Um, that would definitely make a big difference. Now, the, the problem with a lot of these things and one of my friends brought this up to me when I was discussing uh how amazing the Prius is. It's people, oh, oh, well, it doesn't relate to the Prius, but, you know, a lot of people move. So it just doesn't make sense to build a, a solar panel unless you're, like, retired people living in the country. Then, like, only then you got, like, a little bit of cash to burn from your Well, no, retirement. but, I mean, you can get portable. You can get solar panels that you can just fold up and you can put them on your patio or, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. not an issue. All I right. mean, they wouldn't provide a lot of power, but over the course of a day, they would be able to charge... You know, something to yeah exactly um but basically uh a lot of people are like oh these batteries are going to save us and it, it's better for the environment and this and that and priuses but you know what you don't really think about the fact that what goes into making these batteries how many chemicals have to be put you know made uh unnaturally how many how many things have to be taken out of the earth how many um chemicals have to go into the air you know, um, emissions for them to build these batteries, get the parts from around the world, get the chemicals from around the world, all the different um, pieces of it, and bring them together to make that product. And then on top of that, what does it take to dispose of that product once you're done with it? Because lithium ion has a tendency to reduce its efficiency over time. So after a certain number of years, this battery stops, be stops being as efficient. It doesn't supply as much power or for as long um, so, then, and then you have to get rid of it and then you're just throwing out this expensive, you know, chemical filled battery into a landfill. So how much better is that for the environment? Not to mention the fact that you're still, if you're not connected to a solar panel, you're still plugging into an outlet, which is most likely coil or sorry, coal, oil, or uh, nuclear powered. So really... Wow, I just shat all over my own news story. <laughs> well, I just know, took so... a big fat dump on my news story. <laughs> I was all excited for it, and then I just kind of had an epiphany halfway through, I guess. Yeah, well, again, like, one person was talking about how they uh, want to eat less meat. And uh, this was, like, a comic guy I'd read. And the guy, like, did this whole, uh, uh, you know how people are putting these images? It's, like, one, like, infographics, like, one big picture of, like, uh, the whole process of something from start to finish. Okay. And he was talking about how, like, meat isn't, uh, like, it says, like, he's not giving up meat for uh, vegetarian reasons or whatever. It's just that meat takes so much more energy to build, like, the and the emissions from the cows, all the methane being put into the atmosphere, and uh, definitely talks about, like, there's a whole lot of uh, production uh, impact that goes into making something as simple as a burger. So these batteries aren't uh, aren't too far off with your little uh, uh, construction apocalypse going on. <laughs> but uh, I this does tie into something I was uh, finding out. Scientists have discovered how to make ethanol using just water. Now I I think you're I've just looked through all my tabs that I've just uh, been gathering at random, and they all seem to tie in with water. Huh. And I was just thinking, oh, okay. Apparently, I'm apparently we're doing theme week now. But uh, continue. Water world on techno babble. 
<laughs> yeah, except this one's actually, uh, you don't feel dead inside after viewing it. <laughs> yeah, this one has, Stanford University scientists have found a new highly efficient way to produce liquid ethanol that doesn't involve food production. Because you know when you try to make biofuel, all the uh, production costs of like water, uh, corn, uh, the, the fermentation uh, facilities and all that. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's good for the environment because it's not oil. Yeah, but uh, look at all the shit you had to put into the environment to make it. Look at all the runoff. I know, my neighbor's always complaining about the smell. So, well, shower. <laughs> now, this guy says, uh, the, this article says that this promising discovery involving carbon monoxide gas could provide an eco-friendly alternative to conventional ethanol production from crops. Now... Matthew Kanan, an assistant professor of chemistry at Stanford and the co-author of the study, says, We've discovered the first metal catalyst that can produce appreciable amounts of ethanol from carbon monoxide at room temperature and pressure, a notoriously difficult electrochemical reaction. See, most ethanol today is produced at high-temperature fermentation facilities. That converts to corn, sugar, cane, and other plants into liquid fuel. But growing crops for biofuel requires thousands of acres of land, vast quantities of fertilizer, and water. Now, in some parts of the United States, it takes more than 800 gallons of water to grow a bushel of corn that yields about 3 gallons of ethanol. Now, I don't know about you, but finding that out really pissed me off about everyone who thinks, Oh, no, I'm helping the environment. 800 gallons, just so you can keep your tank full for a month? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but this new technique, developed by Canaan and Stanford graduate student Christina Lee, requires zero fermentation, and if it's scaled up, could actually help address many of the issues of the land and water use issues surrounding ethanol production today. Taking down Big Ethel. That's my little... <laughs> that's my little slant, not hers. It's like, what? Wasn't Big Ethel that uh, buck-toothed woman who kept hitting on Jughead in the comics? Uh, I, I don't think it was Big Ethel, but it might have been Ethel. No, I thought she was called Big Ethel because she was tall. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's only uh, been about... Been it's, it's only been 15 years since I cracked open an Archie mag. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she says, Our study demonstrates the feasibility of making ethanol by electrocatalysis. They call the process oxygen-derived because a novel metallic electrode was produced from copper oxide. Now, for the process to be carbon neutral, scientists will have to find a way to make carbon monoxide from renewable energy instead of fossil fuel, the primary source today. Now, she plans on taking this process of taking carbon dioxide from the atmosphere to produce carbon monoxide, which in turn would be fed to a copper catalyst to make liquid fuel. The CO2 that is released into the atmosphere during fuel combustion would be reused to make more carbon monoxide and more fuel, which makes this a closed-loop, emissions-free process. Wow, that's awesome. So essentially, making water by using, by make, making ethanol just by using water on metal. Hmm. And you can read the rest of the story at stanford.eu. But, uh, you know, turning water into uh, something that's Instead of turning a shit ton of water into a little bit of corn fuel, now you can turn water into water fuel. Or we will be able to, so... Uh, water into water fuel. Yeah, so that's pretty friggin' awesome. What about you? Do you have any uh, fuel-related articles? Uh, nope. No, I do not. However, I do have a article that comes from a place that uses a lot of fuel. Ooh. 
Samsung has announced that they are opening a new VR film studio in New York City to produce virtual reality films. Uh, they made the oh. announcement at Sundance last week. Uh, basically, uh, they didn't really say much other than the fact that they were opening a VR studio. However, um, the... Hold on. Hey. Editor's note. Hold on. What the fuck is the guy's name? Okay. <laughs> Take three. U.S. <laughs> US marketing chief um, Mark Mathieu said, At Samsung, we love stories, and we love to help people tell stories. And I guess that explains why they want to do virtual reality. Did, did that make sense to you, right, Mike? Uh, I saw two virtual reality <laughs> movies already in the 90s, Hackers and Lawnmower Man, and that was enough. Wait, what? How okay. did you, wait, what? Okay, didn't you see Hackers? Yes, of course I did. That's an amazing movie. And did you remember the scene where apparently they're in the computer and they got like these like cyber gloves or shit moving uh, files or... Like, navigating the inside of a computer that makes Tron look like garbage? Oh, uh, right near the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the final scene. Where we get to see what a mainframe looks like inside? Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, so that counts. And Lawnmower Man, where he's placed inside that big gyroscope, and he's like, oh, I was retarded, but computers made me smart. Look at me, I'm a cyber god. Blah. Oh, okay. So, uh, Mike, what, uh, so, Mike, what do you think of uh, something like this? Like, would you... Do you see the point in virtual reality movies? I mean, I know, I know you, I know those '90s movies. Yeah, we barely, but... we barely even see the point in 3D movies. Come well, on, that's what I was gonna say. Exactly, novelty like, upon like a, novelty. Yeah, like why do I like? I, I understand the whole, you know, feeling like you're there and feeling like you're moving or whatever. But that's what you know, like um, being there is for. Here, here in here, well, yes, but <laughs> here in um, in the nation's capital of Canada. We have the IMAX theater over at the National Museum of Civilization, and it's one of those big dome ones. And when and, and when you go there, you feel like you're you're you know spinning, riding, moving, diving. You know, I can't imagine Ooh. adding fucking helmets to that. Well, it just seems like why why would I need? Why do I care about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt pretending that they're husband and wife and not spies in virtual reality? Oh, and Why know, do I need to be uncomfortable to watch a movie yeah. that's already uncomfortable to yeah, watch? Because if you if you put this thing in your house, you look like a douche. And if you have this thing in like an IMAX type theater, where instead of having a big ass screen, they just got the little ass screen. But now you've got to have like a helmet on each seat. Like where are you going to put it if you've got like popcorn drinks? You got kids? You got to strap them all in. One of them has to go to the bathroom. I mean, you can't have this as a public facility thing because it would be too damn cumbersome. And even if you could get it to work, then you've got like what? What if someone's got lice? Like then all of a sudden, like your little VR dome helmet thing is now going to give you an itchy head. And even if it does work right, you've got all the problems of like putting it on kids, them freaking out, them gonna they gotta go to the bathroom, you gotta go to the bathroom. How are you gonna pause? Do you pause the movie? I mean, like it's so to true. I just went to a movie with my kids the other day, and I had to get up three times in the first uh, thirty-five minutes of the movie to take them to the bathroom. Oh, good the only, thing it was a terrible movie. The only thing that would make any sense is if these, if you could pause the movie while with these helmets, so that like you could. But then how, how would you get rid of people who had to take a dump during the movie? And now they're the only one left in the movie catching up. But then why do you need to go to a movie? Yeah. Why not just do it at home? 
Yeah. That's, I think, the thing of this. is This thing is do, useless no, on but if they every do virtual, front. If they do virtual reality movies, they're, they're going to do it with, you know, the Oculus Rift, with the Sony one, with the it's only, HTC Vive. It's, it's going to be in your only, home. They're yeah, it's be, only viable in a home market. Exactly. But and how many people have enough room to, uh, uh, like, I mean, like, I don't even watch 3D movies in my home without anybody looking at me like, why do you have two sets of glasses on? Well, I got the 3D glasses on my regular glasses. I look like some, like, lame 80s punk. And I don't need this friggin' thing blocking my eyes and ears so that people can't, so people will walk on and see me with my pants down watching Jenna Jameson. <laughs> So this, uh, the, I mean, like, 3D is like, it's a, it's a novelty, but one that's livable. This whole VR thing seems like an unlivable nightmare to me. Yeah. It, it would be great in medical facilities for, uh, you know, training for surgery, or uh, I guess combat training for uh, soldiers, or you know, uh, or like gaming uh, stations, like an arcade or something. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, that's the only things where it seems like it would be kind of viable. But, uh, you know, as personal home use, like, I got better things to spend my money on. Yeah, for sure. Well, what do you got next, buddy? Well, speaking of water, <laughs> uh, scientists have created a crystal that allows you to breathe underwater. Really? Yep. Bulky oxygen tanks and face masks may no longer be needed to breathe underwater. Professor Christy McKenzie of the University of Southern Denmark said that this crystalline material is able to store oxygen at super high concentrations, which can be valuable for lung cancer patients who have to lug around a heavy tank, or for using cars that or for cars that use fuel cells that require a regulated oxygen supply. And uh, you know, if you plan on going scuba diving, of course these people will also be able to leave the oxygen tank at home and get oxygen from this material as it filters and concentrates oxygen from surrounding air or water. Hmm. Now, just one spoon of the substance is enough to absorb all the oxygen in a room. Now, this stored oxygen can be released again when and where needed. The material is both a sensor and a container for oxygen. We can use it to bind, store, and transport oxygen like a solid artificial hemoglobin, says McKenzie. And it's also interesting that the material can absorb and release oxygen many times without losing its ability, just like dipping a sponge in water, squeezing it all out, and repeating the process over and over again. Now, the question is, how do you get it up? Well, once the oxygen has been absorbed, you can keep it in the material until you want to release it. The oxygen can be released by gently heating the material or subjecting it to low oxygen pressures. So again, if you're breathing, just sucking in or inhaling will decrease the pressure between your mouth and this material and then the oxygen is extracted and delivered to your lungs. So I like this idea and it seems to have uh, uh, parallel an episode of Teddy Ruxpin. Did you ever watch that uh, cartoon? Yes, I certainly did. Then you'll probably remember an episode where Teddy was under the oh, water. I probably looking. won't. Well, there was an episode where Teddy Ruxpin had to find this uh, crystal, because uh, if you remember the show, him and his uh, uh, inventor buddy and the octopede guy, they would go around the country looking for uh, crystals, each with different abilities, like one that would magnify sunlight and so on. And when Teddy was scuba diving in a lake to find this crystal, uh, 
his uh, tank broke loose, but then he just found the crystal and it produced bubbles, so he was able to breathe underwater with this crystal and get out. Hmm. So this seems to parallel that episode, and that we finally have a crystal that allows you to breathe underwater. So now the, the Teddy Ruxpin reality is coming. What I want to know is, are we going to see this being used by supervillains now? Throw it into a room, lock the door, and all the oxygen gets sucked out. Boom, now you're dead. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Or, or... Say goodbye with my <laughs> oxygen sponge, Mr. Bond. I hope you like this new form of murder. I guarantee it will take your breath away. <laughs> and then Bond just sits there, and he looks at him, pretends to choke, and then just picks it up and starts sucking on it. And he's like, you idiot, everybody knows about these. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that episode of Teddy Rocks, but you can't fool me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I was thinking uh, another form of villain that could use this is an arsonist. Because you just uh, strike a match and then find a way to expel, like, or several... Firefighters? Well, On the opposite end of that. Yeah. If, yeah, you could... Throw, if you if there's, like, Although, a, an electrical no, you fire... Said, you said slightly heated up to release the oxygen. Yeah. So if you threw it into a fire, Kaboom. it wouldn't suck the oxygen up. It would disperse what it has in it yeah which is why it'd be kind of cool for arsonists like if you don't want to leave a trace of an accelerant you just leave this crystal in it you just throw this crystal in after leaving it like a sucking all the oxygen out of say a uh, a shipping container mm. and then you throw that into a fire and kaboom instant backdraft no breaking news ladies and gentlemen this is richard reader from geek fallout productions and techno babble we advise you not to do the following things at home that Mike has just suggested that you do to become a world-famous arsonist. Thank you. That is all. <laughs> do not take villainy tips from me. <laughs> Even if they're really good. Especially if they start to make sense to you. Do not do them. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, this would be... I mean, like I could imagine that this could also be used uh, for good purposes, like for demolitions. Like if you don't, if you're worried about like leaving uh, chemicals after uh, clearing out a mountain range or whatever, then you can just have these things uh, throw a candle, throw them in a room with a candle, and then boom. If it has explosive qualities, or if it just like lets out like a a nice flickering flame. You know what? And if your kids if your kids don't want to sleep, you could throw it in the room for like just like a minute or two, and then <laughs> take it out. And then they, they'd, they'd still be alive, but just, they wouldn't have enough oxygen to be able to stay awake any longer, and they'd finally go to sleep. Yeah, they'd be groggy, and, <laughs> and, and, and as soon as, like, they slump down in their bed, then you just, like, open the door, take it, and then, like, leave the door open to... Yeah, exactly. And actually, speaking of sleeping, I have yet another weird and wacky alarm clock. Clock, 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 clock. Making up my own bumpers now. <laughs> so Microsoft has actually just released a alarm app for Android. Uh, and basically the app uses what they call um, Mimic or Mimicker games or Mimic games uh, to help wake you up and to help get your lazy butt out of bed and get your brain working. Uh, basically what it does is uh, when you when the alarm goes off, you wake up, you get your phone, and normally you would swipe the screen or tap it or press a button and, you know, you'd hit the snooze button, right? That's that's what I do in the morning. You? Eh. You just swipe it, whatever, right? Yeah. 
That's why so, my iPad is my alarm clock. Exactly. I and mean, then my, my, my Samsung phone is mine, right? So the, the interesting thing about do you, this do you, is... Do you have to tap it with your stylus to stop the alarm? Fuck off. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about this is that it, uh, it actually gives you a surprise task. So that can be something like taking a selfie of yourself. Although I guess I don't know why you would take a selfie of somebody else. That I guess it's not really a selfie anymore. Or why, anyway, some, going off topic or, or why someone would be looking at you, take a picture of yourself while your alarm's going off, and they'd be yelling yeah. at you, just turn off your friggin' alarm already. Yeah, exactly. I'm done doing it. Uh, no, you're not. You're taking a picture of yourself. That is that. <laughs> so you'd have to take a picture of yourself, and sometimes the uh, app will ask you to mimic different emotions and faces to be able to unlock the uh, device, to be able to turn off the alarm. Uh, it can have color matching tasks and puzzles, as well as um, God, whatever it happened, ask it just... you... Oh, this is the best one. It will ask you to recite a tongue twister perfectly before it turns off the alarm. Oh my gosh. Whatever happened to just like... Uh... Yeah, like, why? This is just awful. I mean, especially if you wake up the next morning with a cold and your voice is messed up. And it's like, sorry, does not match voice file. Continuing bullshit noise. Box it knocks his box it socks. It's me, you cocksucker. Red fish, blue fish, fuck you too, fish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you wake up and your voice is incapacitated for whatever reason, laryngitis, or you've got, like, a throat infection, this thing's not going to recognize What if you wake up with, like, mad, crazy bedhead? Or what if, or dry mouth. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, or what if you're colorblind or well, blind? Well, then you probably got a different. Well, then you pro. <laughs> well, then obviously the only reason you would have this on your phone is if you have an asshole roommate who would really prank you good. Oh, that's a good idea. I should do that to my wife. Well, first oh, first she got a blinder. Oh, that would be hilarious. No, just the fact that she wouldn't know what the heck to do to turn off her alarm in the morning. <laughs> oh, somebody in the audience needs to do that. Oh, that's divorce. I don't want right to. I don't want to lose my head, but somebody else should do that. Totally. <laughs> that's hilarious. We should call. We should call uh, Chris. Chris Guida and get him to do it to his wife. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have like a new podcast where we just like push people into like ending their into how much stress can you put on your marriage before it fractures. <laughs> wife pranks from the fallout boys yeah really yeah. all right what uh what else do you got <laughs> well uh well i mean you know me when i go biking i can't get enough water so more water or speakers i'm done i think i'm done with speakers for now well anyway i i have found a device that burns all night powered only by a glass of salt water. Now, solar energy, you've been outdone. This lamp literally provides hours of light from a glass of water and two spoons of salt. Now, you can, like, make your own salt water, but uh, I'm imagining people on the co on ocean coast cities, like in the Philippines, or, like, people who are on island nations, they, uh, like, they would need something like this, which is why a company in the Philippines called Salt Sustainable Alternative Lighting has designed this lamp to help illuminate the homes of Filipinos with limited or no access to electricity. Because, you know, what's, what do you think people are lighting up their homes with when you don't have a, a big electrical grid nearby? Uh, 
don't know. Your first thought wouldn't be the first thing man made to uh, illuminate things? Uh, that would be my phone, right? Yes. Mankind or- discovered how to heat stakes with the power of your friggin' phone. Because, because it is that old. <laughs> anyway. Well, I do need a stylus. <laughs> well, that's what this... That's, well, after they finished eating the meat off the stick, they realized they could use their stick to interact with the phone. <laughs> no, no, fire. The answer is, of course, fire. But when you live in a wood hut, oh. when you live in a wood hut, having fire around so that you can either like see your children or heat your food is a bad idea. Especially like if you. Yeah, like just having fire in a wood house, bad. But uh, anyway, this thing is now safer than oil lamps, which per, which pose fire hazards, and also they give off uh, carcinogens, uh, oily vapors. Like even if you like if you live and read near fire all the time, you're breathing in like ash, oil residue, shit like that. Bad for you. So with this engineer Lipa Isa Miena of De La Salle. Hey, I work with Filipino people, okay? I'm trying to be... I'm trying to get their names right. Oh, that was actually pretty good. Hey, when I see a foreign name, I try to give it its due diligence. I may <laughs> fail, but I try. Because I'm a person of the world. So anyway, she designed the lamp to work on the principle of the galvanic cell, creating electricity from a chemical reaction between salt water and electrodes in the lamp. Now, this lamp can provide a full night of light for up to a year before the electrodes need to be replaced. Now, if you can generate electricity from this for a light, well, you can also do it for other things because the next model of the salt light is also able to charge cell phones while generating light. And it's a reliable source of light in an island nation where natural disasters from typhoons to floods are common, and it can run on ocean water. So what exactly What exactly is this? Like, what does it look like? What is it? What is it? It is looks it just like it looks like a lantern, and you just had you put water into it. Yep, you pour salt water into the reservoir, okay, and no, and the other one, the other one that charges cell phones. It's just like it, and, it's but just, it's got a USB port. Yep, exactly with a oh. USB port. Because I was kind of hoping it would be something that you would like kind of put on top of a glass of water that would have like little like a straw cords or something. They would suck the water in up, and then I was like, then you could just get a really long extension cord from your hut to the ocean, if you live <laughs> next to the ocean, and then there would be so much salt water that you could just, you know, have it power your TV in your fridge. No, <laughs> no, it's, uh, I sent, uh, I sent a link to you so you could see what it looks like. It's even got a picture of the uh, cell phone charger app, and that looks like a straw, but it isn't, and, uh. They were in the process of mass production. Salt put on its Facebook page on the morning of July 28th, 2015. So it's underway. And, you know, the Filipino people are getting salt lamps, salt water lamps, which, you know, is pretty clean living. And I can see this transferring to other other areas as well. I mean, just being able to... What was that? How much salt do you need? I don't know, just uh, a glass of water with two spoons of salt. So ocean water. So a glass, so you're looking at like, I guess that's probably an average of eight ounces, they're thinking. Yeah. Hmm. And plus, like, you just need like a nice uh, glass of ocean water. So if you... uh, I'm thinking for like camping or something, right? 
Oh yeah, you can definitely you do, camping or something like you that. You can definitely do that as well. Like tank tank ones or solar powered ones or something like that. You could pack that and just bring, make sure that you bring some extra salt or you know go into town and steal a bunch of little mini salt packets from uh, from Tim Horton. <laughs> well, I think like urine has salt in it, so you could probably run it off that too. Do you just they just didn't want to brag about it? Interesting. I would like to see that tried out. Actually, well, I wouldn't want. I don't want to see it. The piss I, want to, I want to know that somebody did it and hear whether it works or not. But uh, that would be interesting, except for the cleaning factor. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I guess that's uh, that's pretty much it then, eh? Oh yeah. Well, there's a bunch of other articles, but they're not water related. So I guess we'll ta- we'll uh, we'll wrap up the water episode of uh, <laughs> Techno Bubble, and we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll. <laughs> We'll save the electrical technology for another day. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, that uh, flushes this episode of Techno Bubble, and we're going to uh, yeah, we'll call it quits for now. Rich, where can we find you? Well, you can find me uh, at Rich six one three on Twitter for my personal account. Uh, I help to run the Geek Fallout Productions Facebook page where you can come by and comment on our posts. Uh, we try to post uh, news-related, geeky news-related stories and, and film and, you know, technology and all sorts of stuff, uh, as well as I run the um, Geek Fallout, at Geek Fallout on Twitter account. And, um, you know, working on some other things and hopefully we'll be able to report back with some good news uh, within the next few episodes. Yep, and only one or two more water technology episodes. Yeah. <laughs> the the earth is 70% water, as so is this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you can find me on uh, the Playing With Power podcast. It's a retrospective Nintendo Power podcast. We read Nintendo Power magazines. Sometimes we have guests. One of them is Rich. So if you want to hear more of Rich... But without, uh, which you probably don't. Well, <laughs> yeah. had too much already this episode. <laughs> Goodbye, Mister Reader. <laughs> Die so, with my sponge. <laughs> sponge, oxygen sponge. Do 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 do. Okay, so that wraps uh, this up. <laughs> Wait, yeah. All right, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. It is now safe to turn off your water-powered device. Incoming call. From Metro. No, no, no. Drop it. <laughs> we totally botched that ending. That was hilarious. We're keeping it. That was awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. That was awesome. This show was brought to you by Geek Follow Productions in association with... Thank <laughs> you.
Atomic Geeks Podcasting Network.